Now I have with me Bob Costello. Bob, uh, of course, was the witness who testified at the very end of the case against uh, uh, President Trump that Bragg was. But, you know, he's been involved in this case and many, many big, big cases. He represented George Steinbrenner, represented uh, Leona Helmsley. He was an assistant U.S. attorney. He was assistant chief of the criminal division. He prosecuted numerous uh, cases uh, very successfully, and he's handled big ones. So he's, let's say, he's one of the real experts in the air area. Uh, I'd like to pl play, Bob, because you're, I mean, I'm named, but you're, uh, you're, you're uh, defamed here, uh, I don't know about indirectly, without being named, you're one of the other people involved in this just as directly as I was. And uh, we, we had gotten, you had gotten, from John Mac Isaacs, the hard drive a couple weeks before this. By this point, you had you had uh, checked it out. I had checked it out. The Post had checked it out. They had published it, and then within two or three days, this phony letter came out. When that letter was written with the fifty-one, I don't know what to call them, that uh, this had the hallmarks of Russian disinformation, and essentially calling us Russian agents, which Biden eventually does. How, how did you, what did you think? It was a complete fraud, clearly. Um, by that point in time, we had verified that the Hunter Biden laptop was genuine. Uh, we verified it a number of different ways, including confirmation by Hunter Biden's lawyer, who happened to, as we predicted, call John Paul McIsaac's shop to see if he still had the a laptop that Hunter Biden had left there. The only part of his presentation that was inaccurate, he said that Hunter Biden thought that he left the laptop there in 2017. It was 2019. But how much more proof do you need than that when Hunter's own lawyer comes looking for the laptop that we had? And of course, uh, once I got that laptop and I contacted you to let you know what I had, uh, it appears that the FBI was aware of that communication because that's when they started planning uh, these contacts with the various media groups telling them be on the lookout for Russian disinformation that's going to come out and it might even involve Hunter Biden. Well, they knew it was going to involve Hunter Biden because they knew that once I gave the laptop to you and you were going to uh, various media organizations to see whether they would publish this material, uh, they were concerned. They knew it was going to come out. So they started a plan to stop us. And that plan ultimately succeeded because half of the American people never found out about this before the 2020 election. They should have. And apparently, according to the statistics, 17% of the people that voted for Biden said that they would not have voted for Biden. They would have voted for Trump if they knew what so, was on the laptop. So now all these facts are no longer speculation. They're all proven. Exactly. These are all proven facts. Sure. So uh, you could say the election was uh, uh, the election was stolen before it was stolen. Well, it was, I mean, before you get to counting. It was clearly interfered with, right? They, they set it up so that half of the American public wouldn't know what was on that hard drive. And that's exactly the reason, by the way, that John Paul McIsaac, who was just a business owner in Wilmington, Delaware. Well, they're trying to make a monster out of him, right? Yeah, no, he was just a regular guy, a business owner in Wilmington, Delaware. When that laptop was abandoned after 90 days, it became his property. When he looked at what was on this laptop, 
he was shocked, and he said to me, this contains material that the American public needs to know. And actually, I'll tell you a little tiny story that really puts John Paul McIsaac in the good light that he should be held in. Uh, I said to him that I would send people to his shop right away to pick this thing up. And he said, no, you can't do that. And I said, why not? He said, the people you will send will look like FBI agents or detectives. And if anybody in Wilmington, Delaware, thinks that I'm doing anything that could impact the Bidens, they'll run me out of town on a rail. That was very prophetic because that's, in fact, what ultimately happened to him. They ba bankrupted him, didn't they? Yeah. Well, I, I, I pretty much financial yeah, history, but, but I think much. so. He lost his business. Yeah, I, I interviewed him earlier this week, as you know. And uh, I, I don't know, but they put him out of business. Let's put it that way. So I said to him, look, as an alternative, I'll, I will pay you. Send me the hard drive. I will pay you for the hard drive. I will pay you for Federal Express. We actually Federal Expressed it from Delaware to my home on Long Island. Uh, but he said, I'll do that under one condition. I said, what's that? He said, I don't want any money. I said, why not? He said, because I don't want anybody to ever say that I made a penny on this. This is stuff the American public needs to see and hear. And I said, you're not making any money. I'm simply covering your costs. He said, I don't want a penny. And he, he held true to his word. He sent it out. We received it the next day and started going over it to verify that it was obtained legally and that it was verified to be authentic. And we did both of those things. So within, within um, <clears throat> after negotiations that you and I and at least Steve Bannon negotiated in, uh, negotiated with, with with newspapers like the Wall Street Journal turned it down. Thank you, Wall Street Journal. A lot of guts uh, and a lot of others. I mean, we knew the news, uh, the, the the Post, or well, the news too, and uh, Washington Post, and uh, would turn it down. And the, and and the Times, uh, the Post decided to run it. The New York Post. The New York Post decided to run it. They ran it. Now we know from the revelations this week that within a day or two. Anthony Blinken, now the Secretary of State, is on the phone to um, to uh, Mark Morell, former acting director of the CIA, and sort of painted as a saint. I remember people telling me, oh, he's very straight. He worked for Obama, so I didn't think he was. He's very straight. He's very straight. Calls Morell, and a very short conversation tells him, you know, get a letter saying it has the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. It wasn't like he proved to him that or he gave him any indication of it. Just go get the letter. Now, Bob, if I'm correct, this is after the whole Russian disinformation campaign about Russian collusion had already been broken. That's correct. And it turned out to be not just false, but paid for by Hillary, and most of the Democrats knew about it. That's correct, too. And one other added thing was that the FBI had the original Hunter Biden laptop and hard drive in December of 2019, which was about nine months before I got it and then gave it to you. And had no, no evidence of Russian disinformation. Clearly. Yeah. yeah. And, and so then uh, I think Morell described himself as the ringleader. He goes and he gets 51 theoretically distinguished intelligence agents who I could probably attribute most of the failures of American intelligence over the last 10 to 12 years, and maybe the fact that they're thoroughgoing liars is one of the reasons for it. Uh, they all just agree. They all just agree to put their name on a document in which uh, they've never seen the hard drive, 
Correct. Never seen a stitch of evidence. Correct. Well, I can't say never seen the hard drive because the FBI had it, but these were CIA operatives, not FBI. Right, 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 right. I mean, this, this is a this clearly is a is a typical Brennan crooked CIA type operation. But in any event, they put out the letter, and when we come back, the letter has been out for about two days probably in preparation to set up the following statements by Biden at the final debate. This was an entirely orchestrated, phony political event. Dirty trick, the worst in American history. Crime, probably. We'll be right back with Bob Costello. This is Rudy Giuliani. Hoaxes and other fake news stories. This is Uncovering the Truth with Rudy Giuliani and Dr. Maria. Guarding against misinformation. Fake news. And it doesn't seem to be making a difference. Using common sense thinking with New York Street Smarts. Now with Dr. Maria, here's Rudy Giuliani. This is Rudy Giuliani uh, bringing you Uncovering the Truth, sponsored by Tunnel to Towers, T2T.org, and get your $11 a month in there to help the biggest heroes in our society, which uh, we'll describe shortly uh, the work they do. You're just going to want to be part of, part of it. So Bob and I were talking about sort of what the, uh, what the, the, the climax of this um, of this conspiracy was, this conspiracy within a conspiracy to find a deflection for the hard drive, to find a false explanation for it. This is a, a sort of a small version of Russian collusion where they spent $1.1 million to create a uh, crime that never existed, that never happened, that they could charge, um, they could charge Trump with. S sound like what they're doing right now? But let's listen to Joe Biden. This is a rather important uh, event since Biden appeared. Uh, this is one of the few times he's out of the basement. In fact, I had offered to have this debate in his basement, and they didn't think that was very funny. But I said, and Trump, you know, Trump authorized me to do that. He said, why don't we put him off and say, you know, he, was, he, he wouldn't debate. We'll come down to the basement, uh, um, but please just, you know, make sure it's cleaned out because I don't intend to wear a mask and I don't want to get COVID. Um, and I said, we could find room. It's probably a big basement. We could find room. And, uh, you know, he, and, and if he wanted, he could sit there. We could have like a, a machine for him. Like, well, never mind. So this is a debate that did not take place at, uh, his, his, um, at, at his nursing home, but it took place at some kind of hall somewhere. And this is what he said. We are in a situation where we have foreign company, countries trying to interfere in the outcome of our election. His own, own national security advisor told him that what is happening with his buddy, well, I, won't, I shouldn't, oh, I will. His buddy, Rudy Giuliani, he's being used as a Russian pawn. He's being fed information that is Russian, that is not true. And then what happens? Nothing happens. And then you find out that everything is going on here about Russia is wanting to make sure that I do not get elected the next president of the United States because they know I know them and they know me. <laughs> you know, you know, Bob, I get I always get uh, distracted by the second half of that. They, they know me because of, uh, of Ukraine. Exactly. Right. And I, I say, wow, do the poor people of Ukraine know that a couple hundred thousand are going to get killed because of Joe Biden. 
I mean, uh, did the American people know that they were they were signing the death warrant for those people in Afghanistan? And uh, yeah, they Putin did know Biden, and he knew he had a crooked. Remember, they gave him three point five million. And if we had the hard drive, how many other computers and hard drives would you think uh, Hunter had? He lost two others. Right. He had a total of at least three that he lost. Okay. So we have somewhere between a third and a half of his material. Well, we might have a little more than that okay. because he had a, a, an iCloud account. And every time he'd lose a laptop and buy a new one, it would be repopulated right. from the But stock. we did, I remember, we do have gaps. Like we get a couple of months in which there's no activity on it. He must be using something else. Or maybe he lost it at other times and regained it. He had another email account that we did not have. Right. right. The guy seemed, we know he lost three. If he lost three, he might have lost more. More likely than not that he lost more. You can bet that he can't remember how many he lost. Right. right. Um, by the way, let me make a comment on what Joe Biden said during that debate. Please. He said that the Russians gave Rudy Giuliani... Um, the laptop. That's not true, unless I'm the Russian in question. Uh, so, or John MacIsaac. Or John MacIsaac. He even dresses up as a funny Russian. <laughs> he has his Scottish outfit on all the time. Right. Uh, and he doesn't even he doesn't doesn't drink. He doesn't drink vodka. I mean, no, no. There are no there are no hallmarks. There were no hallmarks of Russian disinformation. For example, the document did not smell of vodka. So there was no Russian... Uh... Well, you're making fun of them now because in that letter, they said it bears the earmarks yeah. of Russian disinformation. Now, do, now you've never identified what the earmarks well, Isn't that a giveaway? Yeah. Isn't that the kind of BS letter you get from lawyers all the time when they want to settle a case that has no merit? They say, we have, we have a tremendous amount of evidence that your client... And then they don't give you one bit of evidence. Right. Exactly. They, if they had so many indications, earmarks of Russian disinformation... Okay, you phony, lying intelligence agents who have ruined the United States for 15 years, give us one. Even to this day, they can't give one in their own defense. That's true. And their conversations were not, if I called you to sign a letter like that, first thing you'd say to me, well, what, what are the earmarks? And I'd say, well, here's what they are, and here's, I'll send you a paper so you can look at it. And uh, here they, there were 10 of them. Some of those people said they didn't even read the letter. They simply signed it. And, and one of them said uh, that he now knows it's false, but he would have done it anyway because he wanted Trump out. Yeah, that's a good reason. Right? Yeah. So uh, what we have here is a massive fraud, admitted. Uh, probably the biggest fraud that we know of in a presidential election after 200-plus years. Is this in any way a crime? Oh, it has to be. It's just hard to think of exactly what crime it is, well, right? because there's so many possibilities. And all you need is a good U.S. attorney's office to actually look into this and take it apart piece by piece and then decide how many crimes they're going to charge in the upcoming indictment. But is there any chance they're going to... Remember way back uh, January 10th or 11th, we talked about this last night, Bob. Uh, I told you that I had that I wanted to turn over all the information I had about January 6th to the U.S. Attorney's Office, and you effectuated that. I did. You, right. you got to the U.S. Attorney, and they got every stitch of information that we had, and I think it was you and I being, uh, once again, naive that they were going to do something with it. Uh, yeah, they didn't do what they were supposed to with it. They received the information. One of the things that we gave them was a about a 35- to 40-minute videotape taken by this guy, John Sullivan, 
who is an Antifa and Black Lives Matter member who filmed the actual shooting of Ashley Babbitt. He was there two feet from her uh, when she got shot. Yeah, I thought I was turning over a tape of a homicide investigation. In fact, I had two New York City homicide detectives view it, saying one said stone-cold first-degree murder, and the second one said, well, I don't know if I can say first-degree murder, but definite first-degree murder investigation. And, uh, and I figured, well, this is going to really change things. They're going to see a murder. And every time we thought that, we were wrong, weren't we? It never, it never changed their minds about anything. Absolutely. If you look at the picture at the moment of shooting, you will see that on Ashley Babbitt's side of the transom, there are three police officers who had stepped aside to allow the crowd to get access to the glass and wooden doors leading to the speaker's chambers. Uh, but behind them, down the stairs, there were six or seven tactical police force guys, fully armed with vests and everything. All ten of those cops were within five feet of Ashley Babbitt, who's about, who was about five feet tall. And so any one of them could have grabbed her, or two of them or three of them, and, and handcuffed her. Right, if she was some sort of a threat. Meanwhile, on the other side of the transom, there was one guy who remained nameless for a long period of time, who didn't shout anything, any warning to her. He simply shot her dead when she was lifted up to get in that broken window at the top of the transom. Uh, strange place to shoot. Right. Strange place to know where to shoot. And the other thing that got me right away the moment I saw it, uh, you were even surprised, I saw it on January 6th. Yeah. I saw it probably day. five hours after it happened. Uh, strange place to shoot, but it was totally fortuitous that John Sullivan got the kill shot. You mean the video? The video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean... Uh, if you believe in coincidences. And considering he got money for this. Right. Also, he did something similar in Utah where he's under, investig uh, under indictment in he was, Utah. He was under so indictment. So this guy is now a, a, a two-time loser. And he walked out of the FBI office in two hours. We saw him afterwards with several of the people who were getting me information about Antifa and... Uh, and Black Lives Matter, who are experts. And they, they said, they were even shocked. How, how come he's out? Simply well, must be an FBI school pigeon. Well, you know, in that video, which is 40 minutes, 35, 40 minutes long, if you look at the earlier part of the video, which I know you have and <laughs> I have, you will hear that this guy was walking around in the crowd with his videotape camera, but he was also inciting people to do stuff. Let's break this up. Let's knock this down. Let's do this, let's do that. Yet he's pretending to be some sort of journalist, which, of course, he is not. Uh, so he was basically an instigator in the crowd who also happened to have a video camera, which implicated himself in these activities. Let me take you back to January of 20, or Feb early February 2020. This is almost a year before the presidential election. And at the behest of the Justice Department, uh, we go to the U.S. attorney in Pittsburgh to turn over all the evidence we had on Joe Biden, which is pre, for us, pre-hard drive. We don't, have, we don't know about the hard drive. Right. They do, but we don't know that. That's correct. And uh, we prepared a gigantic uh, review on, on uh, slides. It went for a long, about three or four hours on a snowy day. They were enormously excited about it. And then... Uh, a number of things emerged, but the most dramatic was there was a woman, tell us about it, a woman in 
Ukraine, oh. who, like uh, this guy McCormick, uh, the stenographer, wants to testify and they're not letting him, or like the IRS agent who wants to testify and they're not letting him, or Bobolinsky who wants to testify and they're not letting him. Tell us what happened with this woman who had similar, if not even more damaging, incriminating information. She had extremely valuable information. She lives in the Ukraine. She was the widow of the half-owner of Burisma, who was mysteriously killed in a car accident after they got him intoxicated and then sent him down this windy road, leaving this guy Zlochevsky as the full owner because he cheated. And Zlochevsky was the guy giving the Bidens the money. This, right. is the, this, this is the kind of person he has his son doing business with, a Ukrainian organized criminal suspected of murder who favors Putin. And he's got his drug-addicted son doing business with him and getting millions. And his partner getting millions right. also. Um, so this woman, through a third party who lives in Miami, uh, was contacting us. And she had information about uh, where the bank accounts were because she not only was the wife of the half-owner, she was also an accountant for the company. So she knew where all the money transactions were. She wanted to come to the United States and testify, uh, but we couldn't get her here because we couldn't get a visa for her. Uh, so we never were able to get the information from her. She's still out there. She's still willing to testify, but she needs people to actually clear her travel. So they had uh, one year, uh, almost, well, they had uh, seven, eight months before the election to interview her. When the, when the hard drive uh, uh, appeared and we're being attacked for Russian disinformation, they had the opportunity to go and question her to see how valid what we were saying was. Uh, they, uh, and not only was, were we accused of being Russian agents, so was uh, President Trump. That's correct. Now, yeah. how, how you, Bob and I, as I said, together have about 40 years of experience in the U.S. Attorney's Office and Justice Department, probably up until now had like almost religious respect for the integrity of both, right? Absolutely, yeah. How, how does Bill Barr sit there for a year knowing that many of the things said about Trump are demonstrably disproven by what he's covering up? Well, the interesting thing for us is that the U.S. attorneys in the Western District of Pennsylvania Pittsburgh. Uh, when we went to that meeting, we had the United States Attorney, the Chief Assistant, the Chief of the Criminal Division, and I believe two or three other Assistant U.S. Attorneys. A total of six representatives from the U.S. Attorney's Office. There were probably at least six FBI agents. They were extremely interested in the material that you were presenting to them. They took great notes. They followed up with me for the next six months asking me follow-up questions. Could I send them additional information, which I would get from you, of course. Uh, but then all of a sudden, everything stopped. I no longer heard from them. There were no further inquiries. They didn't follow up on, we gave them probably 10 different witnesses that we thought they yeah, should we, we, we were We were pushing that three, even three months later. Yeah. Uh, you were always getting back to me and you, you and I both liked the people we dealt with. So we I made were a, great people, we absolutely. Made, we made yeah. excuses for them, but I think we still make excuses for them. I, I just have a feeling they were, uh, the, the, the rug was pulled right out from under them. That would make the most sense. We don't know that, of course, but uh, they seem like honorable people who were really hot on the trail. 
But then somebody called them off, and we no. don't know. Here's what we do know. They never contacted her. Right. Never even attempted the contact. They, they, they can't say we contacted her and she sounded like a nut. Right. And here's the thing about her that makes her, that you've done this many times, and I've done it, evaluating a witness. There was nothing to lose in interviewing her because uh, she, she was self-corroborating or not. She either has the records or she doesn't. Exactly. No, I mean, it's, it's the price of a ticket to Ukraine. Mm -hmm. You go to Ukraine, you sit with her, and it's uh, the cart before the horse. She says, I got all these offshore bank accounts, and I want to be in the witness protection program, and I want to be taken care of. Certainly worth it if she has them. No question. You say, okay, here's how I think you or I would make this deal. Give us all of them. She, and her lawyer says, we're not going to give you all. You end up with half of them or a third of them. You do a test. Now you've got two or three big ones. You got every indication the others are there. Now you make the deal with her. You can still you can still reverse the deal if she's screwing you and send it back, and then you get the rest of it. I mean, this deal is done. I probably did it twenty times myself. I probably authorized it fifty times. This is a second nature to the FBI, without a doubt. It's the easiest thing in the world for them. This is their standard operating procedure. But suddenly, everything stopped. How can how can you how can you not interview? A woman where, uh, this isn't like a woman who has no connection. It isn't like somebody came in out of the street, a little old lady came in out of the street like we used to get, who says, right. they're taking my waves, they're taking my brain waves. It's not somebody disconnected from Burisma. This is a woman who was the chief accountant of Burisma. She was the wife of the former president of Burisma. So you already put her in a position where she's in a position to know. If anybody, if this were happening, she would know. How do you not interview her? I mean, you, it's impossible not to interview her. Plus, here at the height of a campaign, she's giving you information that, if true, the person running for president has a massive offshore bank account. Well, somebody obviously had to put the word Somebody out. fixed it. Somebody fixed it. They had to follow orders from above. Exactly who gave that order, we don't know. You can certainly speculate. Why has the committee not asked us about her? Why, why? I mean, they're going to McCormick, and they're going to this one, they're going to that one. Her information, I'm not going to say, I mean, this, F, this IRS agent may very well even be a more important witness, and McCormick's an important witness, but she sure as hell is an important witness. And if she were to do that, there are about four or five other people that corroborate individual uh, a laundering. There, there is one laundering situation that's already provable involving Joe Biden. But there are others that can corroborate, corrobor there are about four witnesses that could corroborate her who don't mean very much if you don't have her. That's true. So why does uh, Comer not call, is he afraid of us? Why doesn't he call us? Maybe he doesn't listen to your show. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll listen now. But I mean, he would have the juice, which we never had before. I mean, there's a big difference in Congress. Nobody wanted to touch this in Congress, including, I should say, the Republicans. When I went to the Republicans to help us, they didn't want to get involved with a guy who was a former senator. And we'll tell you the whole story of that, too. And that's disgusting. That's completely disgusting. They could have investigated this in 2019. The U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan turned the case down in 2018, 2019. Uh, all of this could have been done a year and a half before the election, and Biden, Biden would now be in a federal prison with a uh, nursing home attached to it, a federal nursing home that... Uh, the Happy Valley Nursing Home at Lewisburg Prison. That would be the exact place for him. And uh, then when he got lost in the garden, they'd be able to get him right away very, very quickly. But we'll be back after a short break. 
hoaxes and other fake news stories. This is Uncovering the Truth with Rudy Giuliani and Dr. Maria. Guarding against misinformation. Fake news. And it doesn't seem to be making a difference. Using common sense thinking with New York Street Smarts. Now with Dr. Maria, here's Rudy Giuliani. Here's Rudy Giuliani without Dr. Maria, who's off in Hawaii. Probably she's doing the hula. Uh, and, uh, and we're having uh, uh, boys, uh, uh, boys morning out. And to complete boys morning out, I have Ted, uh, Ted Goodman with me. And uh, there, there are two things I want to ask Ted. First of all, Ted, I'm, I'm not going to have you answer this. I'm just going to have you proceed from this. There's no question the president of the United States is Ugats. Uh, Ugats is an Italian word for uh, he doesn't have a brain. Uh, he used to be the dumbest man I ever know, ever known. Uh, now he's the dumbest man I ever knew with dementia. And uh, the guy doesn't know his father and uncle are dead or alive. Uh, he doesn't know which way to turn. He thinks he's in, uh, uh, he in Colombia when he's in Cambodia. He thinks his wife is his sister. That must get you in a lot of trouble. Uh, he goes back to incidents that never existed. He never, he never gave uh, the Purple Heart to his uncle. His uncle never got the Purple Heart. And when he says he gave it to him, his uncle had been dead seven years. Okay, so that's just a few things. We know he's not capable of being president. It's very dangerous. But we don't go to Harris because there's something wrong with her. So I'm going to play this, and I'm going to put Ted on. I'm going to ask Ted, are we correct in ignoring clear dementia just because we evaluate this other person as incapable and there's something wrong with her for sure. What is it? Let's play the following by our esteemed vice president. No exhaust, no diesel smell. The bus has Wi-Fi and even USB outlets next to every seat. I mean, come on, imagine. You can charge your phone on your way home from work. That's good stuff. Ted, uh, uh, this woman is acting shocked that we have cell phones, that we have charges, and there are charges on the bus. That's good stuff. But, wow, like, like, like it just happened the other day. Mayor, you've, you've mentioned this before. What better insurance policy uh, to President Joe Biden but what's wrong than with having you? Kamala Harris she mentally as your all, vice president? Is she mentally ill? I'm, so, I'm sorry Bob isn't on again. He, she reminds me of the people who used to come in on civilian complaint day in the U.S. Attorney's Office. No, no, and say and say and say that the CIA was taking their brainwaves, and that's right. Is she wacky? That's right. And, and and you remember she was a front runner in the Democrat prime when she announced. Remember how the media was playing her up yeah, like she was but, the next, but, and then she quickly oh, sank. She sank faster than Ron DeSantis. But she was. A, but she was. You got to think. It's very. It's very symbolic. She was a front runner besting Joe Biden. And then the minute a person with an IQ uh, went after her, she folded. When Tulsi Gabbard went she after, she folded her. like a lawn chair. Yeah, she's folded like, oh, I was so surprised to see, to see charges on a bus. There were charges on a bus. It's almost and, like they're making fun of us. And her, her Ukraine policy was going to be fabulous. Russia is a big country, and Ukraine is a small country. Oh, that, that's nice. Hmm. But what, I mean, is there something wrong with her, or is, or is she permanently infant, infantilized, or... Do you think she could point out Ukraine on a map if you gave her a world map? I think it's map. too small. I think it's too small. It's a small country. I don't think she'd be able to. <laughs> Tell us about I, I really have him on 
because from the very beginning when Ron DeSantis was ahead of President Trump by 20 or 15 or whatever, and he was inevitable, and the anti-Trump uh, newspapers, including now the Wall Street Journal and our wonderful New York Post, were devoting uh, columns to him like they were, yeah. you know, DeSantis uh, <laughs> campaign rags. Yeah. This guy is telling me he's going to fall apart like a cheap suit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know about a cheap suit, but he's falling <laughs> apart. That's right, Mayor. That's right, Mayor. So uh, Governor DeSantis, of course, now uh, the polls have flipped on him. He was up on Trump, according to some polling, a number of weeks ago, and now he is down in some polls uh, 40 points to the former president. So, Mayor, what does he do? Does the governor, does he run, knowing he could alienate? But is this, is this any more permanent than uh, when he was ahead by... by by 20? Why, why doesn't it flip back again? Because and what's your analysis of how it happened uh, beyond Bragg and the fact that the president has a, a period of time where it looks like he's being persecuted and from the Republican point of view he gets, like So Governor DeSantis gets all this credit for being for winning uh, re-election by however many points he won it by. Let's be, let's be very clear. Ron DeSantis only became governor of Florida because of President Donald Trump. He would not have won the primary without President Trump's support, and there's a good chance he would well, have I lost. Know that. I, I was one of the people Donald Trump sent to campaign for him. I was one of the, uh, myself and uh, uh, Newt, his son Donald. He, uh, uh, the, two the two last weekends of the election... Even though I was engaged heavily in representing him as an attorney, he said, take time off and volunteer for the Republican Party. I said, I don't want to. He said, go down and help DeSantis. He's getting his ass kicked. And what, so, Mayor... Must, maybe you have to cut that out. We know this is the U.S. presidency. This is big time. But what does it say? Is there any loyalty factor? Does that play any... You know, when somebody supports oh, you for governor... You're, you're hitting the Italian thing now, aren't you? Loyalty. I'm talking to yeah, Mayor yeah, Giuliani it, it, here. Uh, it, the, the guy, you know, I, I found out that uh, Ron's uh, family, maternal family, comes from the same town as my maternal family. Gesualdo, uh, uh, in the province of Avellino, uh, about 100 miles or less from Naples. So I have to, I have to give him credit for something. And uh, I don't get it. No, no. I think if, if somebody helped me become mayor, right, and, uh, and they, let, let's say um, President Bush helped me become mayor. Yeah. P President George W. Bush helped me become mayor, even though he was out of office. But he, he, he helped me the first time. I almost won. He endorsed me the second time. I would never have run against. Yeah, if, well, let's say he wanted to run. He lost in '92. Let's say he run. He ran in '95. I would be. I would be off the list from running. You would not have ran in '96 if. I mean, you didn't. But I'm saying, if Bush were to come back well, and about, say, "I want how, to run how, again," how about I didn't run in '04 against? Uh, I've read his those son, reports uh, against his son. People wanted you to run against W in 2004. Well, after after September 11, I had a disproportionate, uh, you know, obviously. Uh, temporary, like 90% approval rating. Yeah. Um, but I never would have thought of running against him. But in any event, uh, we'll have Ted on a lot during the next uh, year as we get ready for, he's quite, a, quite an expert. God bless America. Don't forget tomorrow at 3 and then at 8 o'clock tomorrow night on Getter, YouTube, Rumble, YouTube, Twitter. That'll be Facebook, TV. Bigger, audience than Newsmax.